We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Banjigander Derek C. Apollo with Johnny Gomez. And from Take on the Titans, Michael Hopkins is with us today as well as our guest. Real quick before we get in with these guys, I want to remind our fans, our readers, our, our wonderful, wonderful supporters, go check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. Jeez, you name it. We're on iHeartRadio. We're there too. You know, give us a, you know, a good subscription if you're on iTunes. A nice five-star review helps us get going for our wonderful, wonderful day. Okay, gentlemen, I'll start with Michael, our guest. How are you feeling about this matchup? Well, to be honest with you, I'm a little nervous about it. After seeing the Rams uh, absolutely destroy the Seahawks and uh, the Titans struggling the last two weeks, it's making me a little nervous for our playoff hopes. The Titans have a, a decent record going into this game, and they do have some really important tools for winning this game, but at the same time, it's hard to deny the Rams' recent success, and I'm not all that not all that nervous, to be honest. Well, the, the Titans always make me nervous. I've I, I seen them beat the ever-living you-know-what out of us you know, in 2009, 47-7, pound us pretty good <laughs> a couple years later, you know, even going back to that Super Bowl game and the Super Bowl season, 
Uh, Titans and Rams always makes me a little nervous. Although I think the Rams have a pretty good edge going into this game, even with Zerline, our, our wonderful, amazing, shall I say, man-crushing kicker, is no longer in the game. Michael, doing some uh, research for this matchup today, noticing some issues on you know in your secondary. How is your secondary looking for this game against the Rams? Well, right now it's it's uh, we've got two guys that have not practiced this week with. Uh, both Logan Ryan, our starting cornerback, he is out, uh, hasn't practiced, and is most likely out for the game. Uh, ankle injury he left in the 49ers game. And then also uh, a, uh, another cornerback, LaShawn Sims, who filled in for Logan Ryan. Uh, he was, he's was he been limited in practice, uh, hamstring. It just happened today, and that they are um, going in and doing an MRI to see what that's all about. He is you know, a big question mark right now. And we have to rely on somebody. There's a, there's really a hashtag that's been going around for one of our players that's in the secondary, and it's uh, keep McCain off the field. And it's one of the uh, uh, maligned secondary members of our team that uh, we thought that he should have been cut a long time ago, and now he's going to be put into the forefront of that secondary with the injuries we've had. Now, why this McCain? I, I did a little bit of reading last year. He seemed to do okay for you guys, and this year not so much. A, a scary fourth option, I, I, as I understand correctly? Yeah, he's he tends to – I don't know if he has a vision problem because he tends to not cover the guy the way he's supposed to cover him. And if he does get beat, he tends to do some holding and uh, some pass interference. So he either gets a penalty or gets beat in most plays. So he's uh, definitely some thought, somebody that I'm sure your offensive coordinator is pointing out to uh, Jared Goff. That sounds eerily familiar to Cody Sensabaugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Leave it to Johnny for a one-liner. Cody Sensabaugh <laughs> didn't even make it through, uh, I think, he didn't even make it through a half season with us before he got cut. Um, nope. Uh, no, no, Mike, uh, Michael, can you fill us in your run defense? We're seeing you guys have done very well. Shut down Carlos Hyde last weekend. Uh, some teams have had some success uh, shutting down the Rams on some days and some days not so much. How do you like this matchup? Well, I think it's going to be a kind of a matchup of the uh, irresistible force against the immovable object because uh, with Todd Gurley as your running back, uh, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with, but our, our run defense is pretty stout. Uh, we have not had any of the number one backs uh, run for over 100 yards against us. We faced Marshawn Lynch, uh, Carlos Hyde, as you've already mentioned. We faced uh, Leonard Fournette and uh, Gore and uh, Battle from the Steelers. So none of those guys have rushed for over 100 yards on us. Uh, the part that scares me with Gurley is uh, Gurley, he just happens to be able to uh, catch the ball out of the backfield and, and – uh, make the secondary uh, look ridiculous in doing that. Uh, I tend to think with <clears throat> our strength, it lies really within uh, those uh, front seven guys on the defensive side of the ball with Jarrell Casey, who just made the Pro Bowl, and uh, with some of the unsung guys and Sylvester Williams. Now, we did lose a couple of weeks ago uh, really somebody that came on this season in Daquan Jones, so he will not be in the game. He uh, He's out for the season. And But you have a, a tackling machine in Wesley Woodyard, uh, linebacker with Avery Williamson and Brian Arakpo. And Derek Morgan, we should be getting back in the game against the Rams. He's been out the last couple of weeks. So hopefully that will help out in the run stop. But with Todd Gurley, like I mentioned, 
catching the ball. That's the scary part. What is the status on Derek Morgan? Uh, he's been in limited practice this week. Um, uh, he was at limited practice last week, but then they decided not to play him against the 49ers. And I think in this game, with the if they can all get him to play and get him to clear any kind of uh, health check, that the, he will be out there because we are in must-win situations right now. And I think that uh, he will definitely be a go for this game. The Titans and the Rams, like mentioned earlier in the podcast here, they have quite a history. Is there any kind of feeling of that history uh, going coming in this game on your side of the ball over there, you know, Super Bowl teams before, um, even going back to the days when the team was in Houston? You know, I, I was looking at the history a little bit, and, and I think that other than that, that Super Bowl year, there really only in the surrounding a couple of years after that there was any mention of the you know that really um, I guess rivalry because we tend to not play each other very often it's kind of one of those teams that the Titans uh, fan base kind of forgets about and every time that we do face you know they they show that one yard short in the Super Bowl or you know maybe that great play that McNair made right before that but uh, you know it's it's interesting to when we have to face a team like the Rams. Uh, that uh, they'll keep bringing up those just that one year, but you know there's been all the other history that you know facing and you know once every what is it three or four years that uh, never gets brought up. So uh, when the fan base hears the Rams, they they tend to have to go back and look up in their history to see exactly you know what the Rams are made up of. Well, on our side, and, I can tell you it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different because we that year also, but. We got Jeff Fisher from you guys. You know, he came over. That's what I was going to bring up. Oh, my gosh. And that just changes everything. <laughs> now we're linked in mediocrity and worse because of Jeff Fisher coming over here. Right. Uh, Jeff Fisher uh, took his uh, party and went to, to the Rams and hoped that they would move to L.A., and they did. And uh, went back home, and apparently not to a friendly welcome. Oh, I, I know a certain somebody on this call here who could uh, fill you in a little bit how he feels about Jeff Fisher. Johnny? <laughs> Well, if you don't take my word for it, the fans at the L.A. Coliseum would have told you. Uh, I went to several games last year where pretty much the the chants were constantly fire Fisher. So take that for what it's worth. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure myself and most of the fan base do not miss him, and I'm pretty sure the Titans don't miss him as well. Uh, you're You're probably right on the money right there. <laughs> I know we uh, this whole idea of a podcast here is for the pregame, but there is that, that Fisher connection, and we do want to address that. And one question that's always been on my mind when it comes to Jeff Fisher is, what was the real truth about him? For years, I thought, you know, okay, he, there's a reason why he was he lasted so long in the NFL and was able to latch on the Rams despite the mediocre record. For the longest time, I thought it was Bud Adams that held him back as a coach, and then Lo and behold, he goes to the Rams and, and never finishes at 500 or better. So what was the truth in Tennessee? I, I tend to think that Jeff Fisher was somebody that Bud Adams had some loyalty to. And Bud Adams, one of the things that you can blame him for a lot of things, but one of his best attributes was his loyalty to his players and coaches. And he tended to – Jeff Fisher became a head coach for the Oilers – in a very tumultuous time, he, there was a firing of a head coach in the middle of the season, and he was brought up and uh, really handled the situation as best it could have. And unfortunately, 
that loyalty kind of led to lingering, you know, keeping him on during three straight eight and eight seasons. And then when he did go to the Super Bowl, it kind of fulfilled this feeling in, in the owner saying that, yes, we need to keep him on. And he kept that yo-yo effect of losing a couple of seasons and coming back and, and having a winning season or having a great season for many years to come. And then finally, I think it came to a head and his downfall with Vince Young and the the way he dealt with Vince Young, especially since Vince Young was the only time that Bud Adams stepped in and said, you will draft Vince Young. And uh, that probably was the downfall because Jeff Fisher really didn't like that idea, and uh, they never got along after that. Uh, the marriage gone wrong then. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, on our side, we, he, we got him with, with great hope, you know, this team needed toughness. This team needed somebody to be a mature leader. And the drafts that came in with him looked good on paper. But nothing ever panned out in the field. It's just Todd Gurley called it a middle school offense, and that's what we got. And just actually listening to you guys' podcast last week and uh, just doomsday a little bit with your offense there, it kind of feels like you were describing the same kind of thing, a middle school offense under Mike Malarkey. Is that how you guys are feeling right now? I and mean, what's the status with your offense? It really is. Our offense right now is is being held back. I, I think everybody feels like by the coaching staff, Malarkey to a certain extent, uh, but mainly with uh, Rubisky, the offensive coordinator. We think that he is instead of there's two kinds of coaches, I believe, and one set of coaches believes that you coach to the strengths, of, and another set, which is what we have in Tennessee, is that you have a plan and you shoehorn your players into that plan. And unfortunately, we don't have the players in place to meet the needs of this plan. And it's very conservative, very, you know, run-oriented type of offense. And unfortunately, uh, the rest of the league has figured it out and has been able to really shut us down in running the ball. And they're a little stubborn. They want to, especially Malarkey, he wants to dig his feet in and dig his heels in and, and really – force this running situation that is not working down the throats of all the players. And we did have a player this week come out and say, you know, hey, we do this no huddle offense periodically. Why are we not doing that more often? We have success with that. And I think that he may be getting enough pushback where Malarkey may actually change his mind a little bit in this game coming up against the Rams. Well, what makes you think that? Well, when he was asking the press conference today about it, about the no huddle, uh, that he actually said that they are looking at making that a bigger part of the offense. Now, he didn't say how much or how little, but uh, to me, Malarkey, the one thing I can say about him, he tends to bend when he is uh, has a lot of peer pressure uh, from media and fans to the point of maybe appeasing the fan base, but not necessarily breaking and changing himself completely. So he will probably implement a good portion of no huddle in this game. Johnny, here in Michael's description here, how are you feeling about this game and where it's going? It all just depends on if this, if the same Rams team that came to play in Seattle shows up in Tennessee. Uh, the Ram, it's in the Rams' ball court at this point. If the Rams come in with that same mentality, uh, this must-win scenario, I don't see why the the Rams can't win this game. Um, not to say that the Titans aren't a threat at all, because that would be incorrect. Uh, the Titans are a very good team, 
you know, if, if you, uh, you count them out, that's when they're going to probably come in and strike, particularly, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, this is a type of team that could surprise people. So, um, if, if the Titans are able to score early and contain the Rams offense, it, it's going to be a close game. However, if, uh, if the Titans defense don't step up and this is kind of where it becomes a little bit challenging on the Titans side of the ball, there's just a lot of ways that the Rams offense can beat teams, not just the Titans, particularly with the aerial assault. And I think, uh, you know, we brought up the point earlier about Gurley, you know, even if he isn't able to establish a hundred yards on the ground, you, he's still a very effective weapon through the air. So, uh, with himself and golf improving as the year goes around, uh, Woods is back. It's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough game for the Titans' defense. Well, there's one area I see the Titans doing really well here, and and uh, Michael, you mentioned that that's the running game. You, that's actually a weakness on this Rams' defense that some teams like Seattle, Seattle couldn't exploit that last week at all. But you have Derrick Henry there. You have Demarco Murray. What? How are these two fitting your offense right now? And how do you see them being able to get through that Rams' defensive line? Well, right now, you know, they're trying to do a 60-40 type of plan between the two and, and maybe in the middle of the game, depending on if one running back is having more success than the other, they'll tend to lean toward the other one. Uh, DeMarco Murray has had his ups and downs through the season, and really uh, he was quoted recently as saying he's had to get used to this uh, sharing the load type of uh, run with Derrick Henry, but that he has never felt better. So it kind of uh, makes you feel like that he could have a good push at the end of the season. Uh, however, I, I tend to think that Derrick Henry against uh, more formidable defensive fronts might have a little more success. He's a 6'3", 247, and has a very good speed for his size. And I think that he tends to uh, want to bounce it outside against a strong, stout front that tends to crash down and wants to bounce it out to, uh, you know, get those long runs. It, the problem with he, that he has, uh, being as young as he is in the league, that uh, he tends to want to lean on that too much. And so that's kind of how they try to balance it out to, you know, they, they want to go up the middle and they want to stick to that. They'll hand it off to Murray. But if they want to have that option of bouncing it outside, they'll, they'll hand it off to Henry. And they've had a lot of success in the past, uh, in the early in the season, but now it seems like the league has figured out how, how to uh, keep these guys by putting eight and nine in the box constantly. And uh, that's when uh, the maturation of Marcus Mariota comes into play of when he should call audibles out of those running plays into maybe a short pass when there's so many in the box. Uh, but, uh, you know, we see that as a, a future success, but uh, hasn't been as successful this season. Now the stats on him are actually pretty decent. Now, how does DeMarco Murray fit in the, in the offense right now? You know, DeMarco Murray, uh, being injured early in the season, he had hamstring injuries and things like that, um, he he definitely will get the start. Uh, he he tends to be more of a, uh, a plant a foot in the ground and do a little shimmy and try to get through the hole. Uh, that's his number one role. Uh, he won't catch the ball out of the back, backfield too much although I think he's a little bit better of a receiver than uh, Derrick Henry is. Uh, but he's the man that they will depend on primarily early in the game. 
Derrick Henry on short yardage situations, they will definitely bring him in. And, in fact, um, they do a lot of two-back sets. Uh, they recently waived their fullback, uh, Jolson Fowler, uh, to make room for some other players, and they weren't using Fowler as much as they used to. So there was no other you know, back to put in the backfield. Uh, however, what's, what's strange is after they cut Fowler, they've decided to use a tight end in the backfield to help out DeMarco Murray uh, when he's running the ball. And uh, I, I thought that was kind of odd. Fowler, to me, that tells me that what he did, he pissed somebody off in the, in the organization just enough to uh, let him go and uh, you know, let the tight end do the blocking. Uh, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me and a lot of the other Tennessee uh, faithful. I was wondering if he was in the doghouse. I saw that, too, and I was wondering, oh, boy. The tight end back there blocking, you just, you just release a fullback? Why? Why'd you do that? doesn't make sense yeah. to me. Okay, before we move on, let's get in a word with our sponsor here, the Golden Ram Barbershop out there, 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez runs the show there. He opened up his shop the day the Rams left L.A., kept the lights on, built himself a wonderful museum to the Rams. You have your helmets, you have your jerseys, you have your pictures, your autographs, anything you could ever look for in a museum, let alone a barbershop, is there. When they get a great haircut, talk some Rams football, Sal, look at his wonderful shop. It's 714-894-7267. Make an appointment again at 714-894-7267. Promo code RAMSTALK. Again, the promo code is RAMSTALK. All right, Johnny, how are you feeling about the running game here? Derrick Henry, DeMarco Murray against our front seven. Well, you you go back to past Rams games and you you see the the type of struggles that they've had, particularly uh, one that comes to mind is against the Arizona Cardinals. There are times where they just absolutely look dominant and then they just kind of fold in other games like against the Cardinals, like against the Saints. Um, and this is definitely one of these games that uh, could possibly be one of those folds. They just had a dominant performance against the Seahawks, as you mentioned earlier. Um, but you, you have guys like DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry that can actually take the games into their hands and, you know, run, run all over the defense, uh, particularly if they are able to establish the run up the middle. Uh, I, I did notice from time to time up the middle was sometimes left vacant. And, you know, you got a guy like Henry that, you know, if he if he gets out in the open field, it's going to be hard to take that big boy down. So <laughs> that's something to keep in mind. Um, another thing that I'm really interested in seeing is um, how, how the defense is going to contain some of the taller receivers that are on the team as well. When you really think about it, there are a lot of targets for Mariota you know, Delaney Walker is, I feel like, a, someone that can be a target and is a, really underrated. Got guys like Eric Decker, Corey Davis, who I feel are underrated as well. You know, if if uh, they aren't covered, if they aren't covered well enough, this is this is going to be a scary offense if if they don't get the attention that they that they uh, need. Michael, can you fill us in on those receivers and tight ends? We we know of Delaney Walker. I think he's a little more well known where you are. Can you give us some, uh, some feedback on where this receiving core is for t- the Titans, what their progress is, and the way they're building chemistry with Mariota? Sure. That The, the key word was chemistry you just mentioned. Uh, a lot of the receivers, uh, especially when you're talking about uh, some of the rookie receivers and Corey Davis, 
and Taewon Taylor, they had some early injuries in the preseason. In fact, Davis, he didn't even play a down in the preseason and wasn't even back until the second or third week to be able to to come in and play. So he has definitely had chemistry issues with Mariota all year long. Uh, the other thing is Taewon Taylor, the other rookie from Western Kentucky, he has some issues. It's kind of a speculation, but it, it really shows on the field of being able to pick up the offensive scheme. He's he's uh, not in the game plan in a lot of cases unless we did have injuries at wide receiver. So he's somebody that is very fast but tends to be left out of being even the fourth receiver. So if he gets his chance and can pick up this scheme and get that chemistry with Mariota, he could be definitely a burner that could push it downfield. Um, you were mentor- mentioning um, – Corey Davis, too, and Corey Davis is definitely somebody that can push it down the field, but that's something that this offensive game plan, and I see it time and time again, is not utilizing his speed. They keep putting him in crossing patterns and maybe throw it to him once downfield, which hasn't been successful so far, but he's mainly kept in these short-yarded situations, and and they're not utilizing that speed. And when uh, the draft was coming up and they had him and – the talented rookie wide receiver for the Rams, Cooper Cup. I had them both on my top five receivers that should be drafted, and we happened to draft Corey Davis. And uh, I'm hoping that my pick is – I won't regret it later, but uh, right now it's, it's you know really the, the jury's out. Uh, as far as the rest of the receivers, uh, Eric Decker, he's a veteran receiver that came in, and, and in the beginning of the season he wasn't didn't have any chemistry with uh, Mariota at all. But as of late, in the last two or three games, they have really connected, and it's something that I think the Titans can use him and maybe exploit some holes in the Rams' defense. Uh, you know, we do have uh, Delaney Walker that you mentioned, which is kind of the security blanket for Mariota. If he doesn't see somebody open, he is always going to go to Delaney Walker, even if he's double-covered or even triple-covered at times. And that's how good of a receiver he is. Now, you mentioned... The tight ends are the connection here. Also, Eric Decker. Eric Decker, and to be honest, he, he's a dark horse for me in this game. Big dark horse. The Rams seem to have problems with tight ends when they do have problems and with slot receivers. The teams like to try and challenge them you know, in the intermediate route area, first down markers. They seem to be really, really good at pushing back on those areas, and that, so that does concern me. Another concern with that type of offense is what Johnny mentioned too. The idea that, you know, Derrick Henry start getting him up the middle. You mentioned that for whatever reason, they send him wide or he likes to go wide. Where is, is he starting to figure it out now? Is he starting to hit, you know, to figure out the, the middle, you know, the middle of the field here, the holes, or is he still trying to, to move that way? Or what kind of tendency are you seeing with him right now? Well, still he, he has a tendency to bounce it outside as much as, as possible. Um, the problem I find with him is he is a too vertical of a running back. He's had a, it's the same thing they talked about Eddie George when he was here. He runs the ball and he's, he's not leaning forward enough and tends, he gets hit in the legs. He's going to go down. Um, he doesn't have that, those big, powerful, thick legs that you see from a lot of shorter running backs that tend to, you know, break those arm tackles. So when he runs up the middle, it tends to be a very, a short one, two, three-yard run, but I think that he's wanting to hit that home run a lot, so if he sees that opportunity, that mentally is set in him to bounce it outside, and and he has a 
a tremendous stiff arm. So if he bounces outside, he feels that freedom that he can throw that arm out there and, and knock players away as he's gaining you know yards down the side of the field instead of up the middle. Johnny, you're a Pac-10 guy. You're used to seeing, you know, Marcus Mario. You saw for quite a few, uh, few, quite a few years out there with being the UCLA guy. <laughs> How are you feeling about him? You know, facing him now as a pro. And what have you seen from afar in terms of his evolution? And, Mike, I'm going to come right back to you the same thing in terms of his evolution as a quarterback. Well, All to right. tell you the truth, uh, as as a Pac-12 fan, seeing Mariota um, in the Pac-12, I always felt he was a little bit overrated in the Pac-12 just because I felt like he blossomed in Chip Kelly's scheme. You know, seeing him blossom in the NFL – it has me rethinking a little bit. Now, mind you, he isn't perfect, um, and he still has a ways to go to establish himself even more. But I do think that Mariota has surprised me a lot since he's come to the NFL. And I think he, once he establishes, as we mentioned earlier, that chemistry with his receiving core, that eventually I feel like he's going to get the Titans up to that next level that they're looking to and who knows, maybe, maybe uh, it might happen this season uh, as a kind of a late-blooming type of thing. But And hopefully it's not against us. You know, as it was mentioned earlier, Eric Decker um, and them, it's finally becoming that weapon that I think Malarkey was hoping he would become. So at the end of the, the day, I think Mariota is going to be a solid quarterback in the NFL. And... To be honest, it's it's surprising me. It's surprising me a lot. Well, 12 touchdowns, 14 interceptions this year. It's been a, a bit of a struggle. Where do you go with Mr. Mariota this year, Michael? Well, with Mariota, he thinks – I think he's really hard on himself as far as the interceptions go, but there was a stat that came out this week, uh, actually in the game against the, the 49ers. It was a big knock on him even when he was at Oregon that he was – kind of a little loose in the pocket with the ball and he had a lot of fumbles and that was what he was known for that he had to work on was fumbling the ball and this season he has had the most touches of anyone in the NFL without a fumble and but the previous two years that was a huge problem that he had he constantly was every time he would get touched it felt like he was fumbling the ball and I think that that is something that it tells me he is definitely learning and coming along and maturing as an NFL quarterback uh, again, on the flip side, the numbers that you mentioned with the 12 touchdowns and the 14 interceptions, it shows that he has now got an issue with uh, trying to force the ball in. And, 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 well, a lot of it, I would say, out of the 14 interceptions, I would say at least 10 of those were receivers that ran the wrong route. And really that that chemistry that we mentioned earlier about the receivers having that chemistry with Mariota and these young receivers just – you know, making the wrong decision in their route and cutting in when they should have gone out. And Mariota throws the ball up, and they're not there. So there was only, uh, you know, I could count, you know, less than half a dozen on my hand that he they, he really made a poor decision or threw a, a bad ball. Now the Rams are, are going to work to get pressure in on him throughout the game. They're going to line up Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers next to each other. And how do you see the Titans' offensive line protecting Mariota behind um Okay, I mean, against that Rams defensive line. That's that's definitely a concern this year. Last year, the Titans' offensive line was the number one offensive line in the league, and they made no changes on their offensive line, and this year it's completely different. 
I don't know what happened except for the fact that our two guards, uh, Josh Klein and Quentin Spain, uh, they have both they over you know were overrated last year. They played way out of their head and way out of their skull because now this year they are getting really taken advantage of. Uh, especially it shows up in the running game. But in the passing game as too, you'll have um, guys out-muscle them and out-maneuver them, and uh, Mariota's been having to kind of take off. But this is something that um, uh, we've discussed in our podcast before, is Mariota is great at running the ball, but when he is maneuvering in the backfield, that's not his forte until he takes off. So if the Rams are able to get a good push uh, and one guy gets through, then he may be trapped and doesn't know how to get out of the pocket effectively so that he can uh, take off and run at his natural ability. So the Rams definitely could put that pressure on, especially from our two guards who are struggling this year. All right, Michael. So overall, we're laying this all out now. One last thing here we haven't covered yet, and it's big for us today because we just found out our kicker went down for the season. How is your special teams compared to the Rams right now? Well, our special teams, our, our kicker, Ryan Suckup, uh, he, earlier this year he broke an NFL record of, uh, I believe it was 56 straight uh, kicks that were less than 50 yards. And that he broke it. He actually missed one a couple of games ago, so that broke that streak. But uh, broke that NFL record. Now, he's, an, he's a very good kicker in under 50 yards now. He's a 50-50 kicker over. Excuse me, but our punter right now is, I think he's number one in the league and could possibly be- break a 77-year-old record uh, with uh, gross punting yards. I think he's, right now he's at 51.6 yards uh, average, and the uh, the record is 51.4. So, And that was by uh, Sammy Ball of the Washington Redskins, if you all know that name. So... That uh, that he is doing an excellent job of flipping the field. Uh, as far as the rest of our special teams, our kick coverage is is decent. Our, where we uh, tend to struggle is on our return game. Uh, every time we've got a very talented returner in Adoree Jackson. Uh, he's an alternate on the Pro Bowl list, and he tends to not be able to get out of the situation because we got guys missing blocks and blocking people in the back for a penalty. He has actually ran two or three kicks back this year for touchdowns that were called back because of penalties. So he can't get going because of the rest of the guys on the special teams unit. Johnny, you called this special teams unit the best in the NFL last weekend. And then Zerline goes down. How are you feeling about the Rams and the special teams compared to the Titans this weekend? Oh, man. Sad day, man. Sad day. Greg the leg, man. Hard to replace a guy like that. In fact, I don't know if you can, especially with the current lineup of free agents. I mean, it just happened at a horrible time. Can I still say from Penn State? Well, yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, can can I say that the Rams are still the best special teams in the NFL? I don't know if I can because – because of how important Greg Zerline is. But I can say that they are still a very talented special teams. Um, Maybe may compared to the Tennessee Titans, it might be, um, it might be even a bigger challenge 
to compare these two two together. But yeah, no doubt about it. I'm not feeling very well about this uh, going in. You know, losing Greg the leg was horrible. But you know what? Johnny Hecker is still one of the better punters in the league. Um, one of the most consistent punters in the league for sure. And Farrell Cooper, honestly, Farrell Cooper has surprised pretty much the entire league of how well he does. Adore Jackson, I'm very familiar with as a Pac-12 fan also. He was on the USC Trojans. And he's definitely not one that you want to take lightly. Adore Jackson has the capability of just breaking away and returning punts, returning kicks. You know, he has the capability to do it all. So the Titans have that as a special as a special returner there. Honestly, uh, this is going to be a good matchup, both sides. And, yeah, get, get well soon, Greg Deleg. We're going to miss you. Never thought we'd ever have a day where we come on the podcast and mourn losing a kicker. I never <laughs> thought we'd have the day, but we are mourning our kicker today. Okay. Um, we've broken in the matchups. We are at the end of the road here. Johnny, I'll start with you, then I'll go to our guest. How are you going to call the game? What's your prediction? Michael, no no disrespect intended, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call the game a thirty eight to fourteen win. The reasons are pretty simple. I feel like the Rams offense is gonna showcase their power once again. I don't know if the, the Tennessee Titans defense can actually have an answer for all the weapons. I think that they may have an answer potentially if they can shut down Gurley if they can find a way to stop him, but I don't know if they can, whether it be on the ground or through the air. And I just don't think the offense is going to click enough to be able to establish any rhythm against the Rams' defense. All right, Michael, how are you going to call it? Well, I would like to come on here and uh, show my homer and uh, let my homer flag fly and just say the Titans are going to come away with a victory here. But looking at all the numbers, you know, the Rams are averaging 31 points a game. And uh, I just uh, I don't see the Titans being able to keep up with that type of power. I think that they will throw some wrenches in there that will uh, make the Rams have to rethink some things. I think the Rams offense won't score the 31 points that they have been accustomed to. I think they'll uh, only be able to put up about four touchdowns. But I think that will be enough. This uh, Titans offense has not been able to – they've been averaging around 22 points a game and have not really been able to click uh, all season long. Uh, I think that will end up being a, a Titans loss in one score event uh, as far as a di- one score difference, and it will be a Rams 28, Titans 21. All right. Well, just, just so you know, to throw a little bit of backup here for my boy Johnny because Johnny loves to get his pat in the back. He – <laughs> was uh, pretty much the you know I guess Norm did as well, but Johnny called the, the Rams go eleven and five this year. The rest of the staff here had him going seven nine eight and eight, and, and uh, so I guess I'll throw him a little bit of a happiness over there. But I'm more in line with you, Michael. I think it's going to be a twenty seven seventeen game. I think that the Rams are going to have some struggles with the Titans early on, especially with the running game. I, I don't like the combination to Marco Murray and and our boy there, Mister Henry. DeMarco Murray in particular has a very good history against the Rams, and many folks forget that. He's he's always run well against the Rams. So I'm expecting the Titans go out, try and run, 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 wear 
the Rams' defense out, keep the Rams' offense off the field. I think it'll work for a while, but eventually the Rams will their, their death overall will will win it for them in the end. All right, so there you go. All three of us today call for a Rams win. Johnny calls a big one. Michael and I keep it a little bit closer. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? Hopefully the uh, Titans can come away with a win here because we're in a must-win situation. Uh, we win the next two games. We're definitely in the playoffs, but uh, the Rams right now have got that two-game cushion on the Seahawks, so maybe they'll uh, eat a little more the night before and feel a little fuller and won't be as hungry in the game coming into Nashville. Uh, Johnny, you want to respond to that one? Uh, I'm hoping for a Vikings or an Eagles loss. <laughs> well, and I'm going to roll with this. I'm going to go ahead and go straight up. You know, I think the Rams, I think that loss to the Eagles really changed the Rams a bit. I think that they, Whitworth said it best, actually. He said that when they, when that loss happens, they realize they can play with anybody and open things up for them in a way that they hadn't seen before. This is a team that's used to losing. They don't know what it means to win. All of a sudden, now they're winning and they're getting it. I don't think they go to Tennessee and take their foot off the gas. I think Tennessee's going to give them some problems because Tennessee has has some talent. But this Rams team will come in focus and they will, you know, they'll be ready for this game. All right. So, we want to thank we want to thank Michael Hopkins here from Take on the Titans for joining us on the show today. Johnny as always, one of our our now by the way, has now joined the staff as a, as a partner, not just a writer, but now a partner here, partner in crime. For these two gentlemen, this is Derek C. Paul Mangianer saying good night. We'll see you Sunday. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.